Over the past uh, few weeks, we've been going through a, a short sermon series, uh, kind of at the beginning of this year, called Introducing Jesus. And we have been looking at how the Gospel of Luke, in particular, introduces Jesus at the beginning of his ministry. And, and specifically, as, as, as Luke kind of introduces Jesus, as Jesus introduces himself, what does this say about Jesus' identity? And so last Sunday, we looked at the moment when Jesus went to the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth, and he read a passage from the prophet Isaiah and declared, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Well, in today's text, we're going to kind of pick up the story from there to see uh, what happened after Jesus made this proclamation about who he was. And we're going to see that he did not get a very warm reception from his hometown. Uh, so my sermon title today is Rejected. We're going to see how, how this passage reveals another part of Jesus' identity, which is that he was one who was rejected. And as we uh, look at, at, at how Jesus dealt with that rejection in this passage, we're going to see how, how this passage also might speak into our lives um, about times when we are rejected and also times maybe when we are actually on the other side where we are actually ones who do reject. And so we'll be looking at this idea of rejection today. So our text uh, is, is Luke chapter 4. Uh, and we'll be reading verses 22 through 30. We'll have those verses on the screen, or uh, you can follow along in, in your Bibles. And so we'll uh, swip, swap up to those, uh, the, the scripture text there um, uh, for, for Luke chapter 4, beginning with verse 22. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? they asked. Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. I tell you the truth, he continued. No prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them but to a widow in Zarephath, in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built, in order to throw him down the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way." Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for uh, this passage, Lord, that gives us um, a window, too, into who you are, Jesus, and pray that as, as you um, open up this, this passage to us, that you would also show us what you're saying to us in the midst of moments when maybe we can relate to what's going on in this passage of being rejected or those who, who sometimes do reject others. And so uh, speak Holy Spirit now and give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Picture the scene. Jesus had grown up in this small town of Nazareth. He had gone to the local synagogue throughout his childhood and his adolescence. Uh, the people knew him there. He was Joseph and Mary's boy. And at some point along the way, he had left town, but the people had heard about their hometown boy 
who had begun to do some pretty amazing things in the neighboring town of Capernaum. There were rumors of of miraculous healings and people being freed from demons and powerful teaching. And then one day, Jesus shows up back at their synagogue and he stands to read from the prophet Isaiah and declares that he has come to fulfill what Isaiah spoke about. Freeing the oppressed, giving good news to the poor, healing the blind. And so in verse 22 of our text, it says, we'll flip back to that, verse 22. Amy, you can flip back a few verses there, verse 22, where it says, All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. So the people, initially, when they hear this, they're, they're actually kind of pleased with their hometown boy. Right? You know, they're, they spoke well of him. And, and they, were, they were kind of pleased and amazed at, at this powerful teaching that was coming from Joseph's boy, from the son of a carpenter. What, what, what is this? And then, though, Jesus stirs the pot. And so in verse 23, we read, Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. So Jesus, he, he knows that the, that the people in Nazareth were hoping for him to do some miracles there just like he had been doing in neighboring Capernaum, right? Do here in your hometown what we heard you did in Capernaum. Bring some of that miraculous power here, Jesus. We're your people. But what does Jesus do? Instead, Jesus tells them about the prophet Elijah, who wasn't sent to any widows in his home nation of Israel, but instead to a widow outside of Israel in the town of Zarephath. And then he talks about Elisha, who wasn't sent to any of the lepers in Israel, but instead to Naaman the Syrian, the commander of an enemy army. So Jesus is almost kind of like rubbing it in to them, saying like, you know, hey, you know, these other prophets, God didn't, God didn't send them to their home people. He sent them outside of Israel. So basically what Jesus is saying is, sorry, guys. Just like God sent those prophets to bring blessing outside of Israel, I'm not going to be doing any miracles here in my hometown of Nazareth. Now, how do you think that went over with the people? Well, in verses 28 and 29, it says, All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. Wow. I mean, you know that you struck a nerve when you get chased to the top of a cliff and almost thrown down to your death because of what you just said. That is what happens here in this this passage. Talk about being rejected. With this kind of strong reaction from the people, you can understand, though, why Jesus didn't do any miracles in this place. In fact, in in Matthew's gospel, we're told that Jesus didn't do any miracles there because of their unbelief. There's something going on in Nazareth, in those people, that was unhealthy. And so as we, as we look at, at Jesus' rejection in this passage, what it might say to us, 
we're going we're to take a look at kind of two different angles. First, we're going to look at Jesus' perspective at, and, and thinking about how maybe we can sometimes relate actually to Jesus, times when we experience rejection from people as well. And then we're going to look at, at the perspective of the people of Nazareth, when sometimes we are actually the ones doing the rejecting. So let's start with when we are rejected. How, how might we relate to Jesus' rejection in Nazareth? Well, why was Jesus rejected? The people in Nazareth, they had certain expectations for Jesus. They wanted him to do certain things for them, to fit a certain mold. But Jesus knew those weren't healthy expectations. And so when Jesus says to them, no, I'm not going to do what you want me to do in this town today. He says that his plan is actually different from what they wanted. They got furious. Have you ever said no to something that someone expected of you and then received anger and rejection in response? Has that ever happened? Where, where someone's expecting something of you and then you say, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And they respond by just getting furious and angry and rejecting you. One of the things that we see from this text is that rejection can often result from unmet expectations. A parent has certain expectations for their child. Sometimes, right? A, a parent can sometimes have these dreams of what they want their child to be, what kind of career they'll have, who they'll marry, what their, their, their child's future is going to be like. And if that child doesn't meet those expectations, some parents can get very angry and, and actually push away their child because they're not fulfilling those expectations of what they had hoped for. Maybe your friends... Your friend expects you to drop everything whenever they need something, right? They, they, they expect, like, if, if they're going through something and they're going to reach out to you, that you should drop whatever you're doing at, at that moment. And if you don't, man, they get upset. They, they, they stop talking to you because you're not fulfilling their expectation. Unmet expectations can lead to rejection, Jerry Scazzaro, uh, the wife of Pastor Pete Scazzaro, I mentioned again that we're in a couple of weeks we're going to be starting this new series, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, that's written by Pete Scazzaro. And, and his wife, Jerry, shares a story about when she realized that, that in their marriage and in their family and in their home, that she was, what she, the way that she puts it is that she was over-functioning in her home. Um, that, that, that her husband, Pete, was so busy with his ministry that he was basically absent from contributing anything as a father to their daughters or sharing in the managing of their home. You know, they, they had they'd kind of divided that up, but, but, but she realized that she was over-functioning, that he was sort of like absent completely. He was actually over-functioning at work, at church, in his ministry. And so Jerry was presented with an opportunity to have a part-time job and a couple afternoons per week. And so she approached her husband, Pete, to ask if he would be willing to pick up their daughters from school, 
bring them to their after-school activities, and cook dinner on those couple of nights per week. And Pete was not really excited about this, but he sort of reluctantly said, okay, he would do it. But their daughters didn't like this idea at all. Their daughters were, were actually very upset when they heard about this, this change of arrangement. They, they started complaining, mom, dad's cooking stinks. We don't want to eat his cooking. And, and, and dad, what, you know, dad sometimes forgets things. What if, what if he forgets to pick us up at school? You know, he's not very responsible. We're going to just be sitting there, you know, mom, you're, you're so much better at doing this. And how can you do this to us? They started saying to their mom. You see, their, their, these daughters had certain expectations for their mom and for their dad. And when, when Jerry started pushing against those expectations, saying, no, no, we're actually going to do things differently, it led to a backlash against her. It led to anger and a rejection towards her because of unmet expectations. When Jesus pushed back against the expectations of the people in Nazareth, they got furious. He said, no, 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 no. You're doing things the way that we want you to do it, Jesus. You're not doing things the way that you want to. So how did Jesus respond to their rejection? Well, Jesus could have responded in a couple of ways that we often are tempted to respond when we're rejected, right? So sometimes we experience this rejection from someone, from unmet expectations, right? We're not, we're not doing exactly what they want us to do, and, and so... We're, we're missing the expectations and then people get angry. How do we respond sometimes when we feel kind of rejected, when people get angry because we're not meeting their expectations? Well, the first way that I think we can be tempted to respond is that we can be tempted to just meet those expectations even if they're unhealthy. So sometimes we just say, you know what, I, I, I'm just going to do it whatever they want me to do. Um, Jesus could have easily done that. He could have said, okay, you guys are about to chase me off the cliff to my death, so I guess I'll perform some miracles for you, okay? I'll, I'll, I'll appease you. I will, I'll do what you want me to do. But Jesus, he knew that God wasn't leading him to do miracles in Nazareth. And actually, if he had done that, he would have just been sort of reinforcing that behavior that they had of, 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 of rejecting him. And so Jesus, he resists this temptation. He stands firm despite their rejection. When, when Jerry Scazzaro's daughters got upset with her, she could have easily said, okay, I won't take the job, so you'll be more comfortable. We'll just keep doing things the way that we've been doing it. But Jerry knew that her daughters had unhealthy expectations. And that actually... The way that their family was functioning was unhealthy. And so she realized that, that by, by standing firm and saying, no, no, no we're going to do things differently, it would actually be a healthier dynamic for their family if she and Pete began to share some of the parenting and home responsibilities. And so she resisted this temptation. She stood firm despite the complaining and rejection she experienced from her daughters. Now, I don't know about you, but... But when I experience rejection and opposition, I can be very tempted 
to just do whatever the other person wants me to do, to meet those expectations, even if I know that I probably shouldn't. You know, when, when one of my kids complains about a decision that I've made or starts crying because they're not getting their way, it can be very tempting to just give in and say, I just want my kid to stop crying. So I'm just going to give them what they want. I'm just going to do the thing that, that they're expecting. But usually, that's not what's best for them. There's a reason that I'm saying no to that. Or there's a reason that we're, right? A friend might, might pressure you to do something. And, and you realize that, no, I'm not going to do that. And so you say no. But then they get upset with you. And they start pressuring you even more. And, and you can feel this temptation to just... Given, meet those expectations, even when you really realize that they're not healthy expectations. When we experience rejection, it can be very easy to go into people-pleasing mode, where, where we want to be accepted. I mean, we all want that, right? We all want to be affirmed and accepted. And so we can sometimes do things for people that are actually more about getting the affirmation that we crave, than actually maybe doing what's really best in the situation, doing the thing that might be difficult, but we know is actually for the best. Jesus, he resisted the pull to put on a show in Nazareth for the crowd's applause because he knew that wasn't part of his mission. That wasn't part of his calling. And so he, even though he was receiving this rejection and, and anger at, at, at what he was choosing, he said, no. I'm going by something different. I'm not going to just go by your expectations. I'm going to go by what God has called me to do. He resisted the pull. Not only, though, to, to, to that first temptation, but there's another temptation. He resisted the pull also, though, to retaliate against those who rejected him. That's the second way that we can be tempted to respond to rejection, to retaliate with our own Anger. So flip, flip on that next one there, Amy. That um, we can be tempted to retaliate with our own anger. Sometimes when we experience rejection, what's our response? You reject me, I'm going to reject you in response. And Jesus, he, he could have done that, right? He could have said, you know what, these guys, they're, they're reacting un, unreasonably here. And so I am going to call down God's judgment, on the people of Nazareth. I'm going to retaliate. I'm going to, I'm going to show them. I'm going to have them pay for the way that they're treating me. Jerry Scazzaro, she could have gotten angry with her daughters. Said, you know what? You're, you're not respecting me. And she could have gotten angry and sort of wanted to retaliate against her daughters for the way that they were responding to her. When we are rejected, it can be very easy to lash out of our hurt to make them feel how we're feeling. You know, you're, you're making me feel so little. You're, 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 you're responding really unreasonably here. And so, but what do we sometimes do? We, we just give it back to them. We're going to retaliate because they're rejecting me that I'm going to reject them back. But what does Jesus do? Verse 30 says, but he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Jesus shows us the kind of response he's looking for when we are rejected. 
We are called to move forward without anxiety or anger, trusting in God's leading and direction. Jesus moves forward. It says he went on his way. He doesn't give in to the demands of the crowd, but he also doesn't get really angry with them and and start engaging with them. No, he says, I have a mission, and so I'm going to keep moving. Now, obviously, sort of a miraculous thing of what he does, right, walking through that angry crowd. But but the point is that he, he moves on without anxiety or anger. He knows who he is. He knows his mission. And so he is unaffected by the response of this crowd. He trusts in God's leading and direction. Now, that kind of response, when you are facing rejection and anger from someone, is way easier said than done, right? That is not easy to respond that way when we're feeling rejected by someone. So, but before we talk about how in the world we could actually show this kind of response when we're rejected, I want to I want to first look next look at when we reject others. Because if we're honest, we can probably all think of times when someone didn't meet our expectations. And we responded by getting angry and rejecting them, right? We've probably all been on the side of that, but also we've probably been on the side of giving that to people too sometimes. Why do we get so upset when people don't meet our expectations? When we, when we expect someone to do something and then, then they don't do it, and then why do we get so angry when that happens? Why do, we, why do we respond with just rejecting it and, and getting angry? I think that our rejection of others often reveals that we want to be in control. That when we reject others for not meeting our expectations, what's really going on behind that is that, that we want to be in control. The people of Nazareth, they wanted to control Jesus. They wanted him to do what they wanted. Jerry Scazzaro's daughters, they wanted to be in control. They wanted to determine who's going to make their meals, who's going to pick them up from school. They wanted to be in control. My wife, uh, Rochelle, is a physician assistant, and recently she's been training uh, with robotic surgery. She's been kind of learning this, this new element of, of, her, of her job, doing some surgeries with, like, with robotics. Um, it's really cool. Our kids are always like, Mom, did you play with the robot at work today? Um, and so she's, she's learning this new, this new role. But, but sometimes the surgeries that, that, that she's working on go longer than expected. And it's a little bit of a, a change from, you know, she would usually have kind of like a set schedule and she'd be done at a certain time and I would know that. And, but now with these surgeries, sometimes there's a little more flex. And so uh, there have been some days when, when I've picked up our kids from school and was kind of expecting Rochelle to get to be home shortly after. But then she wasn't. And I didn't know where she was. And I, I couldn't get a hold of her. And unmet expectations, right? And my internal response when that happens is that I start to get upset and start to think, you know, she's not valuing my time. But what's really going on is that I'm not in control. I'm not in control of 
when Rochelle is going to be home. And actually, unfortunately, she's not in control either in most of the situations. She's, she's at the, the, you know, the surgery goes long. It goes long, right? And so that lack of control bothers me. I want to be in control. And when I feel out of control, it can be very easy to get frustrated and to respond by getting angry at that person who, who I can't control. And this actually points, though, to something even deeper. Because sometimes our unmet expectations and lack of control can actually lead us to get angry with and reject God. We, we often put expectations in other people. But you know what? We can do the same thing with God. We can put certain expectations on God, just like the people of Nazareth did with Jesus. We expect God to give us the kind of life that we want, a life of comfort and security and success, a life that's free from pain and suffering and difficulty. Right? We, we want the good life. We expect God to give us this amazing life. And, but sometimes, God doesn't meet those expectations. He doesn't do what we want him to do. You know, maybe like, like the people in Nazareth who were looking at Jesus doing miracles over there in Capernaum, sometimes we can look at other people and we see God blessing them but he's not blessing me the way that, that he's blessing them over there. And why are you blessing those people, God? Why are you growing that church, God? We want to be in control of God. But we're not. And so we get angry with him when he's not meeting those expectations. And if we're not careful... We can do to God what the people in Nazareth did to Jesus. We can get so angry that we actually reject God. If you're not going to do what I want you to do, God, then I don't want to have anything to do with you. If you're not going to give me this life that I've been longing for, then I don't want to have anything to do with you. And so we run him out of town and we take him to the top of the hill and we crucify him. See, that's what this text is actually pointing to, isn't it? The crowd in Nazareth got so angry with Jesus that they wanted to kill him. It wasn't Jesus' time yet, but he knew that three years later he was going to be led to the top of another hill and he would be killed. Not by getting thrown down the cliff, but by getting nailed to a cross. And so part of Jesus' identity was that he was rejected. But he wasn't just rejected by the people in Nazareth, or even the people in Jerusalem. He's rejected by you and by me. Because our sins sent him to the cross. We crucified the Son of God. 
So how does Jesus respond to our rejection of him? How does God respond when, when, we, when we say, no, I want my way, God. You have to conform to my will. How does God, how does Jesus respond to our rejection of him? Well, just like the people of Nazareth, he doesn't give in to our expectations. He doesn't just give us whatever we want, even though we may want that. But God, just like a good parent who will not give their children whatever they want because they know that sometimes what their children want is not good for them, Jesus knows better than we do. He knows best what is actually best for us. And so he's not going to just give in to, to our expectations. But at the same time, he also doesn't retaliate against us in anger. God would have every right to condemn and destroy each and every one of us for rejecting him and causing his son to be crucified. But he doesn't. In Jesus... In fact, Jesus willingly chose to give his life on the cross out of love for us. Our crucified, our, our sins crucified the Son of God, but Jesus chose to be crucified for our sins. Why? So that our sins could be paid for and forgiven. And so although we reject God, he, he doesn't reject us in response. So how does Jesus respond to our rejection of him? He forgives us. He forgives us. In Nazareth, Jesus walked through the crowd without anxiety or anger, and he went on his way. And three years later, that way ended at the cross. But Jesus didn't walk through the crowd that time. He submitted himself to the cross. To the crowd, to shouts of crucify him, crucify him. But as he hung on the cross, as he looked down at the people who had put him there, the people who had rejected him, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus looked at the ones who rejected him and he said, Father, Forgive them. And he does the same to you and me. How can we respond to rejection like Jesus did? I mean, when we experience rejection towards us, how in the world can we, how can we respond the way that Jesus did? We can't in our own strength. But when we look upon him, who was rejected in our place, who received our rejection in order to give us acceptance. When we hear his words of forgiveness and grace, brothers and sisters, we have all the acceptance we need. We have all the acceptance we need in Christ. And so people may reject us. People may disappoint us. They may not meet our expectations, and we may not meet their expectations, but our acceptance and value and identity is secure in Christ, in what he's done for us. 
And so guess what? You don't need to give in to unhealthy expectations in order to gain affirmation because you don't need their affirmation. You've gotten your affirmation from Jesus. And you don't need to retaliate in anger when you're rejected because because you're secure. Your acceptance and value is secure in Christ. So people can reject you, and you know what? It's not a big deal because I'm secure in who I am in Christ. And we don't need to try to control things and people who are out of our control because we can rest in the fact that God is in control and in his goodness and in his will. And we can stand tall in the forgiveness and acceptance that we've received from our Savior because that's what matters. I think sometimes we get so frustrated when we get rejected because we are finding our identity in the acceptance of the other person rather than finding our acceptance in Christ. When we know who we are, when we know that Christ has died for us and he saved us and that we are accepted in him, then when people reject us, we can walk through that crowd because it doesn't matter because we have our identity in Christ. Not in what they say. Not in how they treat me. This morning, we have the opportunity to partake of communion or the Lord's Supper. And as we come to communion, we acknowledge our sin. And so, as we come to communion today, I want to ask you to to, to take some time just to think about the ways that God might be speaking to you today. I want you to think about, are there times where, where, where people have rejected you? People have mistreated you. People have, have lashed out in anger against you. But, but you haven't responded very well to that rejection. That maybe you have given in to unhealthy expectations. You've, you've, just, you've sort of caved because you want, you want their affirmation. Or, or maybe you've retaliated in anger. You've gotten angry back at them. And I want to encourage you to acknowledge that before God today. To confess that to him. To say, God, you know what? I have not responded well when I've been rejected. And also I want you to think about, are there times where, where maybe you have actually been on the side of rejecting someone else? That because they didn't meet your expectations, you, you really did get angry with them. And, and that times where you realize that, you know what, you, you really responded because you wanted to be in control. And you rejected them because they wouldn't let you be in control. And also to acknowledge times that we've done that with God. That we've rejected him because he didn't meet our expectations. Because we want to be in control. And times when we've said, God, why are you blessing them, but you're not blessing me? And, and, I, and we've gotten angry with God because he's doing something that we don't want him to do. We're invited in communion to confess these things to our God, to acknowledge them. And this is what your Savior's response is when you do, when you acknowledge those things. He looks at you with love, and he says, I forgive you.
my son was rejected so that you could be accepted. And Jesus looks at us and he says, come, eat and drink. This is my body given for you. This is my blood shed for you. I was rejected, but you are accepted. Let's pray. Lord, we acknowledge that that so often we do, we, we don't know how to handle rejection and we respond poorly to it. And so many times, Lord, we are the ones who are rejecting others because they're not meeting our expectations and And Lord, we just confess our sin to you today and say, Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, we we don't treat one another well. Lord, we we know that sometimes in our marriages, we don't treat our spouse the way that they should be treated. Those of us who are parents, we're not treating our kids. Those who are kids, maybe we're not responding well to our parents. In friendships that we're, we're broken in our friendships because we're putting expectations on each other. And Lord, there's all kinds of ways that we just realize that we, we mess up in this, in this area. And we need your mercy. We need your forgiveness. And so many times, Lord, we are the ones who actually do that with you too. We get angry with you because you're not conforming to our will. You're not doing things the way that we want you to do it. Lord, have mercy on us. Forgive us. We thank you, God, that you are a God who does. That you were willing to enter into that rejection for us so that we could be accepted, so that we could be cleansed and forgiven. As we sing this response song, I pray, Lord, that you remind us again, Jesus, of what you've done for us that we rejoice in who you are and who we are in you and that that would shape us in how we deal with rejection in our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name.